Welcome into the harvest. Our mission is to help you be a disciple and make disciples in the everyday places of life. My name is Andrew Stroud. I'm hosting this week and joined this week by my co-hosts, Abigail Wilson in Texas and Lakeith here in San Diego. Hey, good morning, guys. What's up? Well, we've got a fun show today because our main topic is something that is near and dear to our hearts. We're calling it the Timothy Principle. And it is one of the things that I believe is perhaps unique about our own experiences in how we've grown in our faith and how others have played a role in that. And it's also uh, near and dear to our hearts in terms of the approach that we're trying to take um, to fulfill Jesus's great commission of making disciples. So we're going to be talking about that in a few minutes. But first, we have a listener question for this week, and it comes from Cassandre Lebo. Lubasi, I hope I'm saying that right. I think Cassandre is from Africa and actually left this question in a YouTube con comment on an episode of the show from last year, how will the pandemic change the church? But uh, Cassandre asks, what are your, your thoughts on churches trying to be more relevant to the culture and to young people by making their services cooler and more impressive and trendy. And again, Cassandre asks this in the context of this approach to church services being exported to many African countries. So I don't know that we can speak to what it looks like in Africa, but the basic question uh, is something that we've definitely thought about and talked about amongst ourselves. Churches trying to be more relevant by making their services specifically uh, cooler, more impressive, more trendy. So Abigail, let me throw it to you first. What are your thoughts on that? And I guess, what, what are the implications for that model being exported to other parts of the world? Hmm, I don't know if I have an answer to that part, but um, when I read your question, um, I think the first thing that really I, I started thinking about is why do we do this? Like, why are we subconsciously or maybe very consciously uh, trying to, um, sort of make our church services look very much like maybe rock concerts, which is what was described in the question. Um, and I think part of that obviously is the attraction value, right? Like some entertainment, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing because we see that in Jesus's day too. Jesus was pretty exciting to go and um, watch. So I don't think that there's necessarily something inherently wrong with attraction because we hope that there is attraction to Jesus and what he's doing like and I, I think so maybe a good question to ask ourselves is is there something going on here that is worth coming to see for people I do think having it then look like a rock concert is maybe not the direction that we would want to go <laughs> and I think um, another aspect is we all feel like pretty comfortable with rock concerts we're all used to them, like they're fun. Um, you know, you can really hide in a rock concert as well. Like it gets dark in there and you can just like hide in the crowd, not get singled out. Um, and so one of the reasons why I feel so passionate about house church ministry is um, that hopefully, uh, while you can't hide in them at all, it's a terrible place to hide. Um, it is actually a great place to invite people into or go to them so that they do feel comfortable. And so I actually think that maybe we should take hold of those aspects of what we're doing as a big church. I don't just want to like throw it all out and just say this is evil. Instead, I want to look and see why are they doing it? Like what good is there and how can we then apply it in maybe a much more positive way? I think as far as his cultural question there, as far as what's going on in Africa and maybe other parts of the world, um, I really, that part makes me very sad because I would think if anything, the culture of the country should remain true in its worship of Jesus because he is for all people and all nations. So um, I, it makes me sad that we've kind of um, cornered a market, so to speak there, but Hopefully, I covered a couple of things there that I think we can all use in our own churches and our own ministry um, that I don't think are bad. I just think it's how we're answering those questions. What do you guys think? 
I think um, I'm going to keep something to get you in there real quick, but I think the, mm-hmm. one of the words that stood out in the question was um, relevance. Mm-hmm. You know, the church is trying to be more relevant. And I, I think that plays into this because there is a sense that the church is becoming less relevant to culture and society. I think a lot of us within American Christianity feel that. And so maybe there has been a, a push towards trying to make it more attractive, trying to make it more entertaining. But, uh, but yeah, Keith, what, what are your thoughts on the question or, or what Abby has shared so far? Well, me and Abby are like 90% synced up. I think she might've looked at my notes or something, even though I didn't yeah. write them down, maybe. Maybe we've just been all working together so long that our answers yeah. become wrong. <laughs> but uh, I was recently listening to a podcast by Chris Broussard. He's a basketball commentator, really great guy, uh, in my opinion. But he's a believer too, so I love that, you know, because you get get a little bit of both, you know. Um, but he touched on the culture part of that, so I'll kind of save that part to last. But as far as, uh, you know, the church trying to stay relevant and doing some of these things, I mean, I agree. I think some of it is for entertainment. And I don't think it's all bad, like, as far as I wouldn't go outright to say it's evil, you know. Like, obviously, you don't want the church to conform, you know, with its morals and its beliefs and the scriptures. Like, you can't, you really can't water it down because, yeah you just lose everything, you know, but if you're doing things for the sake of getting people in your community, uh, trying to, you know, bump into to normal people who wouldn't normally go to a church service or something like that. And I think being relatable and being relevant to those people sometimes can be a good thing, you know? So of course the proof is in the pudding. So when you get down to business, like, what are you, what are you instilling to them? Like how are you and how are you giving them Jesus? Uh, how are their lives being transformed? You know, uh, I think are the important questions. So luckily for ministries like ours, we can't afford all of that stuff. So we'll never have a jazzy uh, <laughs> church I service want a smoke or anything. Machine, man. <laughs> yeah. That's right. The right walk out and uh, <laughs> have an intro song and everything. But uh, so I'm not sure we'll come into that problem. But who knows? You know, if we get partnered up with a local church and the local body and we're wrestling through some of those issues that might come up. But as far as the culture thing, Abby, I love what you said, because I think that's very true. I think one of the, uh, one of the things they brought up on that podcast was uh, assimilation and how uh, some people do have to assimilate to almost the culture of Christianity and not Christ himself, you know? So like one of the guys questions was why would a guy in Africa be wearing like this really nice suit in the middle of like a really hot place, you know, like (laughs) looking American and that, and taking on that model is because they've seen it so much, you know, and they've conformed to that. Uh, so I, I pray that those guys are still effective and that they're still able to help people. But I agree that the culture should. Uh, Jesus can impact people in the culture. They don't have to assimilate to something else. Yeah, I would say from, from I think all of us would agree on this, that our we're not anti um modern church in america as far as i'll be honest andrew don't be it be (laughs) you're gonna get me in trouble i'm being honest we are not stirring that pot man (laughs) what i would say is that we do going back to the idea of being relevant like of course like that's that's we're seeking to be relevant as well so as ambassadors of christ we should be seeking to be Mm -hmm. relevant so i see what's being described in this question you know trying to be more entertaining more trendy um, it's, it, it is coming from a good place, the desire to be more impactful in the society that you are a part of. Uh, so that's one thing I would say, um, and we're not doing everything right, for sure. Like we, there's ways that we could try to be more relevant, uh, those of us who are doing non-traditional church, doing house church. Um, but, you know, the desire to be relevant is, is a good thing because we are missionaries, we are ambassadors to the, the larger culture but um, I think um, the roots of it really go back to uh, our model and our methods. And w- I didn't plan on this to sync up with our main topic today, the Timothy principle. But I think um, you know the model for a lot of for a lot of churches, and especially this this move to become more attractional, it really is rooted in the tradition of the church in general, which is a very Sunday service uh, heavy model. And so it becomes a question of how can we make the Sunday service more attractive, more effective. And we kind of put all of our eggs in the basket of what happens on Sunday morning. 
And our understanding of church is, is just much broader than that. We've got seven days to accomplish the work that we need to accomplish. And that gives us a lot more freedom. And we, we can put less pressure on what happens in this small window of time on Sunday morning. Um, and then the other thing I'd say, like, um, you know, our metrics are, are probably off. You know, if you're, if you're Sunday service oriented, then the most obvious metric is the number of people that show up on Sunday. So um, because that indicates that you're more relevant, that you're, that people are, are wanting what it is that, that you're offering. But that's not necessarily a good metric. You know, Jesus had thousands of people coming to him. And John 6 is, is a passage that we're all familiar with. Jesus fed 5,000, and by the end of the chapter, he had 12. Uh, and he was okay with that because he wasn't just trying to draw a crowd. And if he had been, he could have continued to do what he did, which was provide food, uh, something that people would really want, but wouldn't necessarily sync up with what Jesus was really there to offer, which is to, offer, uh, to usher in a kingdom. So I think, um, I think that's what I would say is that we're, we've, been, we've been too dependent on the Sunday morning service in general as the church. Um, and therefore, it's only natural that we would try to spice that up as, uh, as much as possible to get more people. Right. Um, so, but that's not really the goal. The goal is not to get more people for the sake of having more people. It's, it's to really see people reconnect with God and, and live these transformed lives. So um, I do think it's a good point too, though, that um, what happens in America <coughs> does tend to have weighted influence in the world at large, whether that's Hollywood or whether that's True. within, you know, the, the, the Christian um, society. So um, yeah. I don't know if you guys want to add anything on there before we shift to our main topic, but those are some, some of my thoughts. The only, the only reason why I was stirring the pot a little bit is just saying that if, if, if that statement is true, which I know it is, like, uh, we don't have to put any disclaimers out no more, you know? Like, people who listen to us and know us well, they should know. Come on, like, we don't have to, you know. You know hey, well, we're not We're going to hit it know? big any second, and we're going to have so many. I don't like... I don't mind people who don't drive Jeeps. I just have a problem. It's like, if you keep saying it, man, it's like, but go ahead. That's Abby. true. If you have to keep saying it, then you probably do. Yeah. You, you protest too much, as they say. Um, well, I do think that, as far, especially the cultural thing, um, I don't think we can't do much about it um, other than, you know, acknowledge that that's not necessarily the greatest thing, right? I mean, my kids and I were watching this amazing um, kids cartoon the other day, but it's based, it's um, an Australian cartoon and it was the Christmas episode. And I actually noticed that they had like a fireplace on their TV and then they all went swimming, but there was like some holdovers of like American Christmas culture mixed in there, even though it did not fit at all. And it reminded me of when I lived in New Zealand, like there, like Santa wore a, normal like big coat and everything and i'm like it's summer like why are we doing this so i think we can't help as as a you know very in your face culture to not influence um but i think maybe that's a challenge for us what do we want to have being passed on from the american church is it really the the smoke screen and the and the you know rock and band or are there other things that we would rather be the things that we're influencing so that's my final word yeah it could be the nature of the beast because obviously the the larger more product production style uh, sunday services they are being broadcast out um but it does tie in with that's why true. we're doing this this show is because we do in some ways what, what we're trying to the approach we're taking is is very local it's very small scale it's very person to person um and that's that's a model that doesn't get a lot of airtime. Yeah. So we're, we're, we do the show, we have the YouTube channel because we do want to encourage more and more of God's people that there, there are other ways to go about the mission of Jesus that don't require the smoke machine, that don't require the professional musicians um, and might even be more effective at making disciples. So really appreciate this question. And uh, we will take questions however you want to give them to us. If you are watching on YouTube and you have a question that comes to mind, type it in the comments. We will see it, try to respond to it. And uh, 
even address it on the show like this one. Or if you want to connect with us directly, you can hit us up on Instagram or Facebook, or you could send us an email at info at intotheharvest.org. Smooth. Appreciate it. It helps us be more relevant to what you guys are facing in the harvest, which is what we want this show to be about. And if you have problems with us stirring the pot, address all of those to Keith because he doesn't think it's an issue. So <laughs> it's all on you, brother. That's right. It's Lakeith at intotheharvest.org. All the hate mail goes to. No, it's Lakeith at intotheharvest.org. Apostrophe before the LA. Oh, no, no. No, no, no. It's just LA. Okay. All right, we can't guys. wait to hear about your mail. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys, well, we're going to switch to our main topic. Like I said, we're calling this the Timothy Principle. And of course, it's based on Timothy, the man Timothy from the New Testament, and specifically the relationship that he had with the Apostle Paul. Of course, the Apostle Paul is a huge figure in the scriptures and in the New Testament. In particular, he wrote many of the books that are in our New Testament scriptures um, but Paul himself was a follower of Jesus, and one of the ways that he followed Jesus, I believe, was in his commitment to not just proclaim the gospel to large groups and crowds, which he did, but to go in-depth with a handful of next-generation disciples, men like Timothy, couples like Priscilla and Aquila, and train them in-depth to join him in this work. So we're talking about the Timothy principle and what it means for us in 2021, what it means for us specifically as individual followers of Jesus. So why don't we just start by trying to nail down some of the qualities of a Timothy. So Keith, what do you see as being important qualities for a Timothy to have if they're going to have this kind of relationship with someone like Paul? <clears throat> yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, and I guess from my observation over my short period of time, it's, uh, I think this is God-given. Like, I think this is something that God puts in the heart of people, and uh, it's our job to just find it, you know, and to really call it out. So would you come into contact with this type of person? There's always going to, there's already going to be a desire to, uh, to get closer to God and to get closer to you as a person who's leading them. So um, I think right off the bat, those qualities uh, will be there. They will be displayed. But then some of the secondary qualities is that that person is going to be faithful to you. Like he's going to, or she is going to seek you out and really uh, want more time with you and, and want to be committed to you as an individual. And then of course, th that, that's going to open the door to spending more time. And then hopefully that'll, that'll lead to some, some good training because uh I do think that Jesus was the ultimate blueprint for investing in, you know, I know it's called the Timothy principle, but you really do see Jesus investing in individuals uh, early on in his ministry. So I think of John's disciples when they're like, hey, there's the Lamb of God. And John's like, yeah, there's the Lamb of God. And they're like, all right, we're going to go spend time with Jesus. And the first thing they asked him is, hey, where are you staying? And he said, come and see, you know, he invited them right into his life, you know, so the first invitation we get from Jesus is into his home and into his life. Um, and I think that's where uh, we find those people, like they were already interested, they already had something in them, they found Jesus, and then boom, the, net, the rest was uh, the rest was history. Now, I'm not saying that, that it's going to be easy after that, but I think identifying a, a Timothy or somebody that's uh, younger that wants to follow right. you initially is going to be easy because they'll have those qualities. Yeah, you, know, you were sharing that. We should probably throw out some uh, scripture with uh, the Timothy principle just in general, which I, I should have done a better job of, of just warning you guys. But as you were sharing, you know, I thought about the Acts 16 is where you first see Timothy come on the scene. And it really pairs up with some of what you were sharing there. I'm, I'm going to read it here. It says that Paul came to the cities of Derby and Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek, and he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew his father was a Greek. 
and they went on making their way through the cities. So um, one thing that fits with what you were just saying is that, you know, Timothy was already a believer who was well spoken of uh, when Paul invited him to, to come with him, like you said, but Jesus did the same thing, that that was his basic mode of operating was, hey, come join me and, in the work that I'm doing, spend a lot of time with me. Um, but Paul just didn't do that with anybody. You know, he saw something in Timothy that was already there. There was already that, that flame in Timothy, a desire to, to walk with God. Um, and then, you know, Timothy was willing to, to go to some extremes so that he could join Paul in, uh, in his work. And he was, he was available to do that. He was able to pack up and, and join Paul on this traveling mission. Um, Abby, do you have other favorite verses about Timothy or qualities that spring to mind right away? Well, I mean, I think that we use this Paul-Timothy example, even though we see discipleship all throughout the New Testament, is really sure. because um, whenever we hear like Paul talking about Timothy, it's in this very like intimate and like father-son way. Um, which I think is really special. And I, I think that's why we kind of want to emulate that um, because we see that that really does have some, some unique um, results that are a little different. Um, and I also think that uh, the fact that, I mean, you, you took the one about circumcision because that comes right off the bat, but I mean, we're not, we're not asking people to do something that painful, but I think that there is something to not just being available and teachable, which are right. always the things we say, but yeah. that they're willing to make sacrifice, yeah. um, which is usually a really great sign. Um, right. I, I think we can almost be too available sometimes um, at different mm -hmm. points. Um, we're just like so excited that anyone would want to be <laughs> disciple and um, follow yeah. Jesus. And so we're just like, oh, yes come on in. Um, and I think there's something to having a little bit of um, counting the cost, which Timothy 100% did here. Um, and I think that that really meant a lot to Paul. Um, what is the verse where he talks about him being his son? I didn't like write it down. Come on. I'm not that <laughs> Second Timothy, right? Yeah. Second Timothy. I, I think in the letters that he wrote to, to Timothy, he, he definitely yeah. addresses him as my, my true son in the faith. I, which is a big, like, that's a big yeah. statement. Um, and I think just knowing what we know about Timothy's own background, uh, I'm trying to find it while I'm talking. It's not a great, great answer. <laughs> but just his own background, he had these strong women in his life, um, his mother and his grandmother. But um, Paul really took that spiritual father role. And sometimes, you know, we have great spiritual, actual fathers, but there is something to that spiritual parent, which I think is important to see. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think for each of us, we've had the experience of being a Timothy, so to speak, of having and being in a, a special relationship, a close relationship with an older, not just older believer, but an older believer who's actively working in the harvest, making disciples, and who's committed to, to training us and developing us as next generation followers of, of Jesus and disciple makers. So I wanted to ask maybe so we could just help our listeners, our viewers get a sense of our perspective, like what it's been like for us to be a Timothy in, in the modern age. Um, you know, what, what have been some of the challenges and the benefits? Maybe there's been some costs that, that we've had to pay um, what's, what's, what does it look like for us? And uh, Keith, why don't, why don't I throw it to you first? Like, what do you see as some of the challenges and benefits that you personally have experienced? Yeah, as you guys can tell, I'm going to be uh, thrown under the bus this whole episode. <laughs> I have my guns ready because each time I'm just, <laughs> I'm going to be ready, you know? So the pros and cons of being uh, a Timothy, I, I think right off the back, the pros far outweigh the cons like just being completely honest because uh, what the person is offering you is the gospel like this the most amazing thing and message and 
all of it, like the greatest story of all time. Like this person is, is not only giving that to you, but they're living that. And you get to see it up close. So like you almost confirm it by their lives. Like you can stack it up. You can look at the scriptures and see it. And then you can be like, wow, this person is being like Jesus um, in an everyday sense. And I get to see that up close. So I think what you get as a person who's learning under someone else is, um, yeah, it's beautiful. It's amazing. Like you can't compare it to anything else because you're talking about purpose. You're talking about an abundant life talking about doing what God wants you to do. Like these are all things you can get from an older believer who really loves you and, and cares about you and want to see you follow the Lord. So, um, yeah, I can't even, I literally can't even put this, the cons in the same sentence as the pros. Like it well, just, how about, don't think of it as cons, but challenges. Like what are some, challenges? like if you hadn't gone, if you the hadn't, cons. yeah, been a Timothy, maybe uh-huh. some of the challenges that you would have avoided. Right. Yeah, I'm going to be a bad Timothy, and I'm going to ignore the challenge work. I'm going back to cons. Right? So let's talk about the cons. Wow, he is not teachable. <laughs> he is not right. teachable. Throw him to the curb. <laughs> See, that's one of the challenges of being a Timothy. Sometimes that's one of my challenges, know. apparently. Like, it's a challenge yeah. I'm facing here. See, I was just setting it up so I can circle back to it, you know. But uh, there are oh, challenges, gotcha. you know. Like, you're going to be, uh, you know, like, uh, I think Call all out. of us, especially in the <laughs> you're going to be called out living in a social media driven comparison age like you're going to get compared people are going to wonder like hey why do you have this special relationship with this person and i don't you know or um where do i stack up in this like is it me first and then you like who's it's almost this timothy off which is healthy in a way because you're gonna uh, i do think that believers we've lost that competitive edge if you will you know like that hey i like peter and john racing to the tomb you know like why did John get there first? You know, why did he put that I outran, I outran Peter? You know, like, I'm not saying that. Uh, yeah, and th- th- that's just one of the challenges that I've seen that amongst your Timothys and your Tituses and your Elishas, uh, there's going to be some some healthy rivalry. Mm. But then also, uh, I think something that I'm going through on a personal level is that you do look to your, your Paul to be so much more... Uh, than what maybe they're supposed to be, you know, because our ultimate goal is Jesus. Like we're supposed to keep our eyes fixed on him. So you can't ask this person to be uh, omnipotent, omnipresent, like, and know every, you know, be everywhere. So like you can put too much into that person and not rely on God. So that's the con that I think um, we have to be careful with because then you end up just, you know, making Paul feel bad because you're like, bro, you don't measure up to my expectations when uh, I should be on Jesus. Yeah, that's you, Andrew. Just yeah. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. <laughs> Believe me, we have these conversations. I know. Um, are, you, are you guys feeling this? I feel like I'm really in the room. All right. <laughs> no, I mean, but the other side of that too, Keith, is that you know you can really become um, you know men worshippers is too strong, right. but that's the idea. Yeah. Like you could become right. instead of looking it's a, at, like hero worship. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so worship. you want to learn from like the Timothy wants to learn from Paul, but you know Paul can never be in the position of God or Jesus. So, you know, Paul's thing about follow me as I follow Christ, I think that was definitely a huge part of how he approached training next generation people like Timothy. Um, Abby, I want you to have a chance to respond to that first question, but we also kind of need to keep it moving. So let me ask, um, you know, should everyone be a Timothy at some point? Should everyone have a Timothy or is this, is this just an opportunity for a limited number of people? What What are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't think there is a command that we need to be a Timothy so or have Timothys. Now, we do have the Great Commission to look to. Um, we've got the first and second greatest command to look to as far as like we need to be following these things. And I think that that falls under the umbrella of that. But I don't just want to say this is you got to do this or you're not following Jesus. So the answer to that is no. Um, I do think that it is just going to blow the socks off of your relationship with Jesus, either to be a Timothy or have Timothys. I think that they are both incredibly, um, they're like the boost of adrenaline to your walk with Jesus um, in both cases. Um, I think, so I wanted to tell you guys a story because um, it's so crazy, but I, I met a girl like 
I don't know, last year. So I've known each other a year. One of our very first times meeting each other where, you know, we have like a lot of friends in common via the military. So we're like back and forth. And then she just casually mentions the lady who disciples her. And, uh, and I'm like, say what? And she's like, that's right. Walt Hendricks's wife disciples me. Um, now, if you're listening and you know who Walt Hendricks is, he is like a navigator legend. Um, and like his sermons are just favorites of everybody. And so it was like, I was talking to somebody who knew a celebrity. And so I, uh, I was like, tell me more, how did this happen? And she said um, that she had reached out to her when her husband passed away, when Walt passed away and just said, you know, he meant so much to us. And, you know, I just was praying for you and thinking about you. And then um, a long story short, she has now has weekly calls with this sweet, sweet um, elderly lady who's, um, in assisted living, but is just really speaking into my friend Sarah's life as a young mother of three little boys. So this is an, like an incredible example of how just by just being obedient and wanting to love someone in the body of Christ, who you see as, um, as someone you can really look up to and serving them in a way being like, wow, I really appreciate what you've done for the body of Christ. And I just want to love you in that way um, and be appreciative of you. Um, and then being willing to listen and say, I want to spend time with this lady in her 80s. Not a lot of people do. Um, and then you really have just this exceeding amount of blessing um, that Sarah has been able to experience because of that. And I just thought it was a great little picture of what it is to um to pursue someone, not necessarily like, oh, I want to be discipled by them and I'm going to like make it happen, but just it can be very organic in that way of really seeing someone that you want to emulate and someone that you would like to learn from and then serving them as best you can and, you know, making it known that you want um, a little more from them. Um, and so that, anyway, I just thought that was a really crazy story and a cool example. And I think for me, I want to answer the pro con question question i'm just gonna answer the con one because keith was so you know cagey about it okay the question was not pro con though so oh. go ahead go ahead and answer the question that wasn't asked oh i'm so sorry Whew. boy keith and i are gonna both get fired everyone this is a really explosive episode um challenges the challenges i think as a female um the challenges andrew um, have really been the fact that usually whoever is um, speaking into my life is seasons above me um, in their walk, um, whether that's like seasons literally with like kids or with their spouse, or maybe, you know, I'm unmarried and they're already married. Like I, I think for women, and maybe this happens with guys too, but for women, it, that can be a hard thing. We, it's hard for us as women, I'm just going to throw us all under the bus here, just like a general statement. It's hard for us to see outside of our own season of life, like either to look back and remember, like when you didn't have any sleep because you had a newborn, you kind of block it out for self-preservation or, you know, looking forward. It's hard to imagine what it's like to have teenagers when you only have two-year-olds. So I think for women, um, we really do have to add that level of um, relationship in there. And there's a lot of grace that needs to be thrown around. So I think that is one mm -hmm. of the challenges, but it's also a really huge blessing because hopefully you're really having both needs met um, and also just exponential growth as far as wisdom. Okay, I'm done talking, Andrew. Andrew, <laughs> do you have some thoughts you would like to add? We're going to get on to you about whatever they are. Some cons? Yes, yeah, this cons? is this is a, a challenging topic because I think, one, there's just a ton of great stuff in there to, to sift through, but it's also something that we are passionate about. So, um, yeah, I would say that uh, some of the, the challenges, and we've kind of already touched on it a little bit, but I do think that there there is a willingness to sort of give up on your schedule and and join this older leader this older believer and what it is that god has entrusted to them and, and you really see this 
throughout the scriptures, you know, we, there are models, there are Timothy models. You know, we talk sometimes about Moses and Joshua and, um, or Elijah and Elisha. And in, in every case that I'm aware of, you know, Ruth and Naomi, uh, in every case, the younger person is willing to go with the, the older person. And it's true for Jesus and his disciples as well. They had to join him. And so I think that's one of the challenges, especially maybe for modern people. You know, we, you can do anything with your time. So to, to purposely limit yourself to joining this older believer and not just as a, as a fan, but as an assistant, because that's really what Timothy was. And that's what we're talking about with the Timothy principle is it's a willingness to join. Yeah, Abby. I just want to caveat, Andrew, because yeah. I think with with women particularly, like this is hard because there is a season, especially for moms, where right. actually the older woman, even though she's like the, the mature one who has the ministry, et cetera, is still right. going to have to defer to the younger mom because she can't handle life. <laughs> Yeah, no, so that's, that's I think a good that's, point. I just want to like throw it out there that if you're like, oh no, I'm holding a baby on this side and on this side, and now I need right. to go just make myself available, that can feel very overwhelming. So. Yeah, and I think, and that's a great point. That's, and that's really Titus too. The onus is put on the older women to yes. teach the younger yeah. women how to love their husbands, how to, how to keep house. Um, but I think maybe on a more general level, you know, you're choosing to come up under this, this more mature leader. And, you know, I think we're, we're all familiar with a guy named Frank Viola. Um, for our listeners, you know, Frank Viola is an author. He wrote a book uh, called Pagan Christianity, which is probably what he's best known as. Uh, we actually also had him on the show a couple years back and did an interview with him um, on a, a recent book that he wrote. But, but he's a person that's pretty well known within the Christian community prolific writer, speaker, but, you know, he posted something last week, and I, I wish I had it, uh, I should have printed out the quote, but he basically said that in all of his years, um, he's never had the privilege of being discipled by someone, um, or having someone who was really like-hearted, like-minded, and so I, I do think that it's something we can take for granted, like, I feel extremely fortunate and blessed that the Lord allowed me. And the older I get, the more I, I appreciate how rare it is to have had uh, the kind of relationship that I did with uh, Cecil Bean, um, because you know Cecil was willing to allow me to learn from him over six or seven years. Um, and you're right. You know, some of the challenges are that your life is exposed. Um, uh, so many, so many of the examples that I have of how I do things now, I can trace back to experiences that I had partnering with Cecil and learning from him. So um, I don't think it's something that is common. I really don't. And I, I hope that it can, it can become more common. One little thing that I'll share from my own experiences, and then we'll, we'll have to move on. Um, Maybe we can revisit this because I'm not sure that we, we scratched the surface, but there's oh, a lot to really it. Did. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I know that my first picture of discipleship really came from the Jehovah's Witnesses, that I had a friend in college who was uh, a Jehovah's Witness. I myself, I was not uh, religious at this time, but I was really impressed by my coworkers' lifestyle. And uh, so we began to study the Bible together because he invited me to um, but he would occasionally, we would come across something in our, our Bible reading that neither one of us understood. And he would go to this older Jehovah's witness who was teaching him. And I thought, man, that's so cool to be like a young person with an, with a specific older teacher, like not just someone who's leading your church or your group, but an older person that you could actually go with, go to and, and learn from. And so after I came to faith, I began to pray that God would bring someone like that into my life. And it took about a year for God to answer that prayer and allow me to, to come into contact with Cecil. Um, and I think that's a pretty common story. Like I, Keith, I think there's a similar uh, parallel to, to your life that God was already working in your life before he brought this, this Timothy figure, I'm sorry, this Paul figure uh, across your path. 
Um, and so I would just say, if you're listening out there and you see this kind of lifestyle and this opportunity to be a Timothy, if, if you're a younger person, really begin to pray and ask God to, to bring an older believer into your life that you can join and learn from um, and be persistent in that prayer. And if you're an older believer, um, you know, really consider what is it that it would take for you to, to carve out space in your life to commit yourself to the next generation um, and pass on the things that God has been teaching you over the years, because that, that is the Timothy principle is that one generation passes it on to the next. And we've got to share second Timothy two, one and two, or this podcast would, would be totally incomplete, <laughs> but you know, Paul <laughs> speaks to Timothy and he says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so Paul is, is challenging Timothy to, to be that link in the chain, which is part of the Timothy principle that, that Paul taught Timothy. And then he challenged Timothy to pass those things on to faithful men who would be able to teach others also. And so sometimes we talk about the four generations but that's why we're, we're talking about it is that it's passed on through these relationships. It's not just preaching to the masses. Um, so if you've got questions about today's topic, we would, we would love to address them. If we miss something, let us know and uh, we'll try to do a, uh, a short snippet on it. But thanks for, uh, thanks for discussing that with me, guys. So for our faith and culture segment on this episode of the show, we want to talk about what I would call identity crisis, um, because I think it's something that has always been true for humans, but it seems like in our modern world, more and more, we're struggling to find out who, who am I really? And we're sort of attaching that to different movements or different groups. And I think even as Christians, we can find ourselves chasing identity uh, outside of belonging to Christ and, and, and representing him. So the question that I want to ask is to kind of get us started, and Abby, we'll have you uh, respond to this first, but how does identity affect the way we view ourselves and the way we live in the world and towards others? And what are some of the ways that you see modern people looking for identity, not, not just Christians, but people in general? What, what are we chasing? Oh, my goodness. We are, that was so much. You were like 15 questions. And like, oh, like, what do I even? You can um, pick any of them you want to. All right. Well, okay. My mind is reeling. I, I was like the first part. I was like, I'm going to answer that. And then you just kept adding. Okay. So um, it's fine. I've got this. Uh, I, I think what we're after is acceptance and we want to just feel, you know, like little special um, for the most unique butterfly. I mean, I, I think that we all uh, want to feel that kind of <clears throat> unconditional acceptance. And we tend to then use identity to find that in like our little niche areas. Um, and I think this is probably our biggest idol that we're going to fight as followers of Jesus. Um, I feel like it comes up a lot, you know, just to continue with the, the talk on, on the Timothy um, topic from earlier of just, this comes up a lot with the ladies that I meet with. Um, and I, I think it almost has an easy solution whenever someone's having an identity crisis, something that they put their value and their purpose into and if that just kind of gets even a little bit off of Jesus and the gospel, then we're going to feel that tension right away and just be in an identity crisis, so to speak. Um, and I think for a long time, even with myself, when I would have those moments of tension and um, frustration and have these like crisis of identity, um, I was always trying to find all these solutions from all these places and have now learned that it really just comes down to I've gotten off of Jesus. I got the eyesight <laughs> off in some way or another. Um, and so it seems like a really easy answer, but I think it's actually um, super hard to do. So you'll still have plenty of things to wor worry about, but um, 
I really do believe that while we probably all are truly are unique little snowflakes, because um, that's how God made us, we ultimately should just have identity in Christ. We, we are made for his purposes. Um, so whenever I get off track and my identity is, I don't know, it could even be in this podcast. Like I just love to tell people, I really don't, I don't tell anyone um, that I'm like doing a podcast. Like if that were to become, it's a good thing, right? Like this is something I enjoy. I feel like I'm blessing the body of Christ through it. Um, but if that becomes my identity, then that's a problem. So being a mom, a wife, um, you know, doing house church, all these things could easily slip into that first place of just being a follower of Jesus. So, um, I don't know, hopefully I answered at least one of your 15 questions. <laughs> you guys tell me. <laughs> Keith, let me, let me ask you, I'll, I'll keep it to one question for you. Keith, um, how can you know if, if you are drifting away from your identity in Christ? Have you had that experience? Oh man, dang! I was already I was already loaded for the first part, but I, I can readjust. <laughs> Got to get on the fly, you know. So, uh, how can oh you man, if you're drifting, okay. So, uh, yeah, I think I'll speak to the believer first. I think the best thing, one of the best things, one of the best pros of our faith, is that we don't have to uh, like identify ourselves. Like, um, if, if that makes sense, like God can define who we are. Like the scriptures can can tell us who we are, you know, so the verse of Peter about you're a royal priest, you know, you've been elected, you've been selected, you've been forgiven, you know, you're one of God's child, like that feels so much better than anything I can come up with, so it's when, Andrew, it's when the enemy starts chirping and starts to do what the accuser does and come in and, uh, yeah, make all these accusation, accusations about identity and telling us we're not worthy, we're not good enough, God's not going to forgive us for that thing, or we can't help people because of what we've done that God's voice has to be a lot louder and who he identifies us as. So I think that's it for me, man. Similar to Abby, when I feel like I'm getting away from that or I'm being accused of being somebody else. It's like, wait, we're, we're children of God. We got a good father. Like God is our father. Like uh, yeah. We belong to him. So we can't uh, fret when the world comes and tries to change that. And then I think for the world, man, for the masses, I think I, their identity is linked towards uh, contentment and desires, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I think so many people desire so many things and man, that heart cannot be filled, you know, <laughs> like you could try to fill it. You, right. could, you, you know, I think of a guy like Solomon who just did whatever he wanted. Like, I'm just going to embrace it all, see yeah. how it goes. And, and you still end up empty. I know I've experienced that myself. So mm -hmm. I think, um, yeah, our desires are linked to our identity and then contentment at some point you got to be content, you know, and uh, I haven't found contentment in nowhere else but the Lord. So yeah. good stuff. Abby, something you said that uh, I think is so true. And it was almost like a, a, a contradiction, but I don't think it is, but it, it, it could seem that way. So one is that we want to belong. And that's a big part of identity is that we're trying to plug in. Like, where do I fit? There's a 7 billion but people, also be special. but we also <laughs> want to be distinct from most yeah. other people. So like, you don't want to necessarily be like, just completely on your own out there. Mm -hmm. um, you want to belong to this, this smaller group that you might sense as being like better. Um, so I think that that's really true. That's one way to think about your identity is like, who are you trying to fit in with? And, and um, how does it dis uh, how does it distinguish you from society at large? And it's something that may be like a, a, a hack to figure this out is like, you know, your profile picture on Facebook or Instagram, whatever it is, like usually that's your identity. So, um, you know, if you're a hunter, then you probably got the picture of you with the, the deer's head, you know, um, if, if like I, <laughs> if you if if it's a, if you're a mother or you're a father, then a lot of time or your family is very important to you, then you're probably going to have like a family. <laughs> He's like, no, I don't. But I I just think it's maybe like a little insight into you know what Snippet. is it that how are you presenting yourself yeah, to the world? It's really this is good. this is who I am. Um, and then Keith, something you said about contentment there at the end, I, I do think we have to get to the point where our identity is who Jesus and who God says we are. Even if we don't always feel that way, we have to be rooted 
in that place. And again, I think Paul's a good example of this because, you know, he had people who were um, trying to cause trouble for him. And I think that's why he said, hey, I'm only going to boast in Christ. That, that's it. Like, I don't have to come up with other things from myself to, uh, to push myself up there. Or when he was in prison and in the letter of Philippians, he's like, you know, I can't be out there preaching. Other people are trying to preach Jesus just to make me feel bad but I feel great, <laughs> you know, like Jesus is being <laughs> preached. So you, you have that, you have that contentment. You have that, um, Hey, I'm good with the Corinthians. He's like, Hey, it doesn't bother me. If you guys judge me, it, you know, I'm going to have to answer to Jesus and that's it. So True. even if you don't, even now I don't measure up to what you're expecting, I'm okay with that because yeah, I just think there's all kinds of great uh, passages where, you know, especially from Paul, again, he's probably the primary early follower of Jesus that we have access to because he wrote so much of the New Testament. Um, and he talks about letting go of the things that he used to consider his identity so that he could root himself in Christ and, and Christ alone. So another big topic, guys, that we could keep going on. I but, know. Um, <laughs> you know, Andrew, that, that really like ties into the, the discipleship talk too, because we don't want that to be our identity either. Um, you know, Keith was kind of talking about that a little bit, the hero worship aspect. Like, we don't want it to be, I am a disciple of this person. Like, that be our identity. Right. Or, oh, yeah. I've got 15 Timothys. And Don MacArthur till I die, baby. Oh. Yeah. Abby, you and I both know Chuck Wood, and he, he does a great job of pointing oh, this sure. out. Like, when you share your testimony, he's like, hey, that was a great testimony about your discipleship relationship with this other person, but you didn't really talk about Jesus. So, yeah, we really, and that probably is rooted back to our sense of identity is more, can be sometimes more connected to the church we're part of or right. the person discipling us. And that's yeah, another good way of thinking about it. Yeah. Well, guys, we're going to we're going to end it there. Um, we always love hearing from from you guys. Uh, it lets us know that someone is listening, uh, <laughs> but it also helps us hopefully do a better job in these shows of addressing things that are relevant to your walk with Christ, questions that you have, things that you want to learn more about. So definitely um, leave a comment or hit us up. Let us know your thoughts on this show and the different topics that we addressed. We're actually going to be having a summer break. So if you really watch or listen to every episode, we're going to go dark here for about a month, the month of July. We're not going to be doing the show, but we'll be back in August and uh, definitely look forward to continuing to, to be a community together, following Jesus and making disciples in the everyday places of life. So Abigail, Keith, thanks for joining me today. Mm -hmm. and we'll see you next time. See you on the flip side. See you guys. Thanks for being part of our community. If you find this podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can share it on social media with your friends. Or you can support it directly by visiting our website, intotheharvest.org, clicking on the donate link, and becoming a monthly giving partner. When you do this, you'll receive a thank you package with some great ITH gear. Thank you for supporting the show and helping our small team make a big difference for Jesus. It's listeners like you that make this ministry possible.